Welcome to Game Mechanics, a show about tabletop role-playing games from lots of different perspectives. I'm Logan Jenkins. Today I'm talking to Sean Gomes, writer of Uncharted Worlds, a Powered by the Apocalypse TTRPG. I am a total Sean Gomes fanboy. There's a mechanic in Uncharted Worlds called Cramped Quarters, when the characters are stuck together for a long time, like for space travel. They roll to see whether they had some bad blood, or a moment of friendship, or even a revelation about a character's past. I mean it when I say that Cramped Quarters has changed the way I play all my games. I bring that move to every game I GM, and it succeeds very well at establishing characters as real people with relationships to their teammates, something that I think is sorely lacking in a lot of games. Sean's main gig is as an animator in the video games industry, and it shows in his answers. Lots of very different angles from answers to my questions that I wasn't necessarily expecting. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you, so let's get to it. Oh, weirdly, this conversation took place before quarantine, so we make some references to being trapped inside for weeks as a what-if scenario that is, of course, happening right now to all of us. Weird times. Just a heads up that that comes up. Okay, interview go. Hello. Sean. Hello. What's up? I'm, I'm doing very well. <laughs> things, are doing, things are going well. Excellent. So, uh, can you perhaps introduce yourself to the listeners? Right. So, uh, my name is Sean Gomes. Uh, I'm a first-gen Pakistani immigrant here to Canada, and I full-time dad, full-time animator in the video game industry, and part-time game designer. I wrote the Uncharted Worlds book, and then the follow-up expansion, Far Beyond Humanity, and I'm currently working on version two of uncharted worlds that's amazing uh, uh uncharted worlds as i like we played that as one of the seasons of very random encounters uh my other podcast and i we really had a fun time i have fond fond memories of playing uncharted worlds <laughs> thank you very much as i said before it's so weird to actually hear people playing the game because i don't have that vision of myself kind of thing so oh <laughs> Hey, I, I well, it's happening. <laughs> Regardless of if you have the vision or not, pe people are playing it. <laughs> still weird, still very weird. But anyway, <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna get right into it. Uh, sure. What's your favorite mechanic in any game? Doesn't have to be yours, but it could mm. be any game. Let's see. So I'm gonna go deviate a little bit from the usual RPG thing. Mm -hmm. The telegraphing in Slay the Spire is really fun. Oh, yeah. It basically tells you what the monsters are going to be doing next turn, which allows you to make more informed decisions. I think that that needs to be exploited in some way or in traditional, like, tabletop gaming space, because Ooh, that's real yeah. cool. Yeah, like, like just have... You'd be able to plan around the monster action. Exactly, and it's something that I've actually done occasionally for boss monsters in Dungeons & Dragons, is oh, have wow. them do their attack and then have them telegraph their next attack. Technically, it gives them two attacks around, but it's up to the players to decide how to how to avoid one of those two. <laughs> so it actually yeah. it, it changes things up and it makes things more dynamic rather than just well, I hope he doesn't target me next round. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really good. I yeah, ah, you're just full of gems. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one which I need to look into more is the are the living stats of Disco Elysium. Where mm -hmm. depending on which stats are higher, they will actually in they will actually affect what choices you can make, and they will talk to you and give you advice 
which I love as a concept. That's another one that I really at some <laughs> point want to kind of capture in some way of changing the choice space, the decision space of a player based mm-hmm. on their character choices so that not everybody can make an attack. Some people are going to interact hostilely, hostilely with the environment in a completely different way based on the feats or the skills or the stats or whatever that they have, which I really think is such a fun mechanic that has like a lot of room for exploration. You know, huh. when I invent a time machine, I'm absolutely going to go and do all of these things. But uh, <laughs> so far, linear time tends to uh, <laughs> get uh, in the way. It's such a drag. <laughs> and of course, I have to mention uh, the success, partial and fail mechanic of the Powered by the Apocalypse, because mm-hmm. that's where I'm at, right? Like that, that ins- <laughs> it's, it inspired me to 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 write my own dang game. So I have to yeah. I have to make a call. Shout out to that one. <laughs> So it sounds like you have a lot, you draw a lot of inspiration for your games and just for playing RPGs, TTRPGs in general from like video game stuff and how you can turn that on its head and make it a TTRPG thing. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. I, I, I do do a lot of video. I mean, I work in the video game industry mm-hmm. and I do a lot of, I guess, cross pollination between board games, uh, role playing games and video games because they all have stuff to offer. Like when designing a video game, I like I've given classes to like uh, college students and whatever on video game design. Mm -hmm. And my first thing is if you can't create a board game version of it with little cards and like pieces, then your design isn't complete yet. Mm. Before you start programming it, move things around a board and pretend to be the computer. Think about the logic behind all of the actions that are happening. So it's all three of them should affect each other because I think design is design, especially when it comes to games. Yeah. The medium is just the way that you express that design. And there's always openings for experimentation in other fields. That's incredible. That's so good. Uh, so what is your favorite game and why? I think this will be a very interesting question. for. <laughs> uh, okay, so I am going to go all over the board, all over the place. All right, Magic the Gathering. is is, uh, a big favorite of mine because I'm a huge fan of synergies, of things Mm -hmm. working together in unexpected ways. Yeah. I'm not super cool on the competitiveness. I'm not a very competitive person in general. Mm -hmm. So I tend to enjoy playing things like Commander, which is, it's fun, it's goofy, there's like tons of cool effects going off, everybody's trying to show off their their synergies and that kind of thing, <laughs> and if you lose, it doesn't matter, you were having fun with friends, right? So Right, yeah. So yeah, there's the favorite, as for a Civilization series, I just, for the number of hours that I've put into that thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, third edition D&D. I thought about this for a long time. Like that was like the initial answer that came up, and I realized that it's just nostalgia. It, like it's favorite, oh. not for any any good, solid reason, <laughs> but rather it's it's where I did most of my gaming. I started in second edition, but mm-hmm. when third edition came around, I was in like high school, and it was just the right time for me to play a ton of it. So that really got like role playing got its hooks in me at that point and have, you know, everything progress from there. And uh, finally, Dungeon World, mostly because A, it was one of the direct inspirations for me trying to hack the Apocalypse World system. Yeah. Because when I saw it, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, I see. <laughs> this is trying to capture 
flavor, right? This mm-hmm. is trying to capture the core essence without the mechanics. And I'm like, oh, well, in that in that case, you could use mechanics to capture other other feelings. Yeah. And Dungeon World was it succeeded in giving that feeling of basically third edition D and D, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And I mean, before, of course, it, it just D and D pure, right? Without uh, without the D and D mechanics, just the the um, the essence of it, which I really appreciated. So it's always been a favorite of mine. And whenever I feel like doing a Dungeons and Dragons thing, I'm always like, I wonder if I could talk this group into doing Dungeon World instead. <laughs> <laughs> but eh, fifth edition isn't bad. I I like it. It's it's fine. It's very serviceable. But I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't put it as my favorite. It just I, you know, I take the bus to I take the bus to work every day. I wouldn't say it's my favorite bus, but it works. <laughs> it gets me where I need to go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's fair. D and D is the bus. Yeah, it just <laughs> takes you where you need to go. No problem. You just you get there. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's tons of people on it too. So like, exactly, <laughs> it's public transport, right? <laughs> you know exactly where you're going to, and it's got a schedule and everything. It's it's right there. <laughs> It's such a good metaphor, dang. <laughs> Meanwhile, some indie <laughs> games is definitely more off-roading and not having any Google Maps. You know, you're just like, right, yeah. is this going to work? I don't know. It says to go into the lake, but uh, <laughs> maybe that's the right way. Yeah, maybe there's treasure at the bottom of the lake. Yeah, maybe. Know. There could be treasure at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> Talking about Power by the Apocalypse, I'm a huge fan of the cramped quarters move from Uncharted Worlds. It's sort of, for me, it's like transformed the way I present stuff to my players because in any game not just uncharted worlds i bring that move in just to like give everybody a sense of like these people are real outside of their adventures that they have together and sometimes they get on each other's nerves and sometimes they are just chilling in in their spaceship or whatever and uh i just i would love for you to talk about the design process of that and just generally about it sure so um one of the big inspirations for Uncharted Worlds was the uh, Traveler setting, uh, which is a very, very crunchy space <laughs> opera sci-fi uh, game. I and I played that for I think like I'd run a game of that for like a year, and it was a lot of fun. But I felt that the mechanics got in the way of the space exploration. So mm-hmm. uh, not it got in the way. I mean, that's that that's overly negative. I, I love Traveler, but I'm not a I'm not super into the crunchiness anyway. But one of the things that I liked and I kept over into Uncharted Worlds is that travel between planets took weeks. And I'm like, what are they doing during that time? Are they in cryo? <laughs> are they just, like, chilling? I will admit, some part of me is like, man, that would sounds really nice. An entire week of not being able to do anything at all. Just mm-hmm. lounging around and, like, writing or, or, or watching videos, catching up on all the videos that you missed. That yeah. sounds real nice. And I'm like, but wait, no, you're actually stuck in that tiny, like, the tiny tin can with a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, no, that, that's the cra- literally cramped quarters is the name. Yeah. One of my players, one of my regular playtesters, he's we've been playing for over 10 years now uh, in various games, is a Marine. And he was on a submarine at some point. So he consulted, I consulted with him for a lot of the, so is it true that you guys, oh, he's like, yeah, you guys get on your nerves a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, of course, being military, there's like a lot more discipline and that kind of thing, but still. Um, yeah. So yeah, being, being trapped in small places, I realized was a kind of, you know, powder keg. Yeah. That said, I realized also that the game, when I was designing it, the game didn't have much in the way of 
social interactions between players, or at least it didn't encourage it in any way. Mm. There were mechanical interactions where you could get involved in other people's moves and that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't really uh, any opportunities for social interactions because you would do something, do a thing, get on your ship, and then we would snap over, we would just blink over to the next when we landed on the next planet. I'm like, no, no, we need (laughs) downtime. Uh, Mouse Guard is a great example of downtime. And I was like, okay, how can I get the this kind of downtime flavor? And then there was this scene in Firefly where they're <laughs> all sitting around the table and having dinner. Yeah. Just, it was such a pure moment because there was nothing else that they needed to do. They were relaxing and sharing each other's company and there wasn't a greater objective in mind. There was nothing that they were working towards. They were just living together. And I wanted to create something that the entire purpose of this interaction, of this move, is not to accomplish anything, but rather to create a bond between two people. So I started tossing out various ideas of like what would happen during the 10 plus, you know, the success, partial and failure. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I just said, okay, I know what the success is. The success is I want that I want that dinner scene in Firefly. I want them to be sitting around talking, chatting, having fun. Whatever that and and of course, you know, if if the characters already have a certain amount of intimacy, there could be int- you could allude to intimate moments and that kind of thing as well. There was an op- there was the opportunity for intimacy. Yeah. If that's cool with your table, right? You know, you always do what's right. what's good with your table. Mhm. And the failure, I knew what I wanted it to be, is is literally like what caused the bad blood. Not what caused a fight. I wanted to make sure that there was no physical conflict there because, I, yeah. as I said, I'm not much for competition and I'm not much for player versus player. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of people at the table fighting each other. There's enough of that in the real world. I want, yeah. I want, this is my fantasy, damn it, people get along. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, bad blood, hurt feelings, things that you have to eventually resolve. And it creates this kind of, it also allows people to express who they are as uh, as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, this person, like I played super loud music all throughout the entire trip and everyone was just pissed off at me at the end. I'm like, okay, (laughs) so you're a little bit more self-centered. You need music. I'm I'm learning a lot about you, right? Um, And the middle one was just the, it just, I, I honestly cannot remember where it just, grew organically out of the idea of sharing a bit of your backstory. It's not positive. It's not negative. It could be either, but Mm -hmm. you have to fill in some character development then and there. Like, and you're being put on the spot because someone else is asking you the question. And it's something that you as a person, like as a, as the player of the character, maybe never thought of, you know, like, Oh, I never considered that angle or I never considered that question. So there's a little bit of um, putting people on the spot improv style of like, oh, and whatever I say is now real. Oh, dear. So you know, <laughs> make, <laughs> make them think. Yeah, I love that. So that's that's where the, the cramped quarters came in. And yeah, I, I it kind of came together and I was really surprised at how well it actually worked. And every time I run it at conventions or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It just really plays super well. Yeah, I mean, it plays super well. Like I said, I bring it to every game, <laughs> not not just uh, Uncharted Worlds, but it's just it makes people think about characters. Like you said, it's when you get that middle result, it, invariably the person's like, "Oh, um, 
uh, I just really love trading cards. <laughs> and, and you know what? If as long as they can buy into that, like as long as they commit to their answer, yeah, that's cool because it's unexpected, and it's unexpected even to the person playing it. So yeah. it's a little bit of a surprise for them of like, oh, cool. <laughs> It goes back to like a, a, a bigger um, design philosophy of Uncharted Worlds where I'm not just the GM, I'm also someone who's tuning in to watch the show. So I don't yeah. know everything that's going to happen. And mm -hmm. I think it's fun that the players might not even know everything about their own character right yeah. away. They'll discover it as it happens. So there's that feeling of this isn't just my character, it's my favorite character from my show. <laughs> and then you, you discover like, they were a war criminal? Were they? Oh my god! <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I wonder why. I wonder what happened. And then you start like, you know, <laughs> it's like, wait, I I created this character. How the hell do I not know this? <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that's my favorite thing too. I think that's really that's the feeling I'm looking for when I'm playing or GMing a game. Is like this, like I'm tuning into a show, exactly yeah. like you said. That's amazing. Uh, so, do you have any other tips for encouraging roleplay be between like characters? Yes, prompt them to talk about each other. Prompt mm. prompt them. To, you, you take time away from the action because this is this is one thing that, that part of the Cram Quarters thing is if you don't give them time to express their thoughts, if, if the action just keeps happening, they won't have time to consider what happened. Oh. So what I like doing is occasionally when there's a decision that is made, like a big, important decision of how to interact with something, of how to deal with a problem, Mm -hmm. I will prompt a player who is who perhaps didn't participate as much or who whose ideas didn't get implemented or whatever and ask them what they think about this what do they think about the reasoning behind it what do they think about like the character mm -hmm. or just sometimes when there when there seems to be like a okay we're all going shopping or whatever you know like, like in every in every role-playing game, there's that that moment where everybody's flipping through the books and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, uh, looking, looking for their stuff. And <laughs> while that's happening, I just like, you, what do you think of them? And the important part here is that I found I don't always, I try not to always just focus on negative stuff or interpersonal conflict. Mm -hmm. I try to, because a lot of players I found, especially when it's like conventions and that kind of thing, aren't comfortable with rocking the boat or being negative towards other players, right? They're also here for a good time. They don't want to cause bad blood either, right? They want they, they also want to engage in the fantasy that maybe people are okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, sorry, that was really cynical. My God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I asked them to fill out positive stuff, like admiration, that kind of thing. Just... Get them to talk about each other, because mm -hmm. then then after that, that becomes their link between them. And I found that they are more willing to engage with each other once they have said good things about each other. Mm. So yeah. following that, and, you know, occasionally remind them of their, like, mutual respect, da-da-da-da-da, you know, like, just remind them that they are a team, remind them that they are, are working together, and look to create positive interactions between them, which will then hopefully, build a bond which you won't have to keep prompting them to do so, right? Yeah. Now that they've interacted, they can keep interacting. So that hmm. that's that's my uh, tip. Yeah, that's a really good tip. <laughs> uh, 
All right. I asked this of everybody, uh, and it's open-ended. If you could fix, in quotation marks, anything in a game, what would it be? Okay. So I, hmm, this is a pretty big fix. Pretty big fix. I'd overhaul the Dark Sun campaign setting to remove some of the more problematic representations, such as the (laughs) cannibal halflings, pygmies. That's kind of... That's not yeah. cool. Uh, I mean, it's a, it was a product of its time. It was the 90s. But I just really like the idea of a Bronze Age setting with harmful, costly magic and like survival gameplay. And mm-hmm. I found that the Dark Sun campaign setting has a very strong ecological theme about like a small number of people who are basically ravaging the planet and everyone else is starving to death. Mm-hmm. And it it would be really cool to explore that What's God? Thirty? Oh God! It's thirty years after it was written. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh God! It turns out we're very old. Oh no! <laughs> I looked at. I. Oh no! I. I, I acknowledge the passage of time. No. <laughs> oh no! 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 Okay. Let's let's forget that happened. All right. Okay. Okay. Back on track. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, can you tell me more about that? I don't know that I've heard of this game. Oh, Dark Sun is a campaign setting that was made for uh, second edition Dungeons & Dragons. It Ah. was a... It's actually a post-apocalyptic medieval setting where magic more or less defiled the land. It's called defiling because to power magic spells, you have to destroy vegetation. Oh, that would explain why a small population is destroying everybody else. Exactly, and you have... uh, It's it's got this vague, uh, like, uh, Conan ish vibe there's Mm -hmm. like huge cities mostly powered by slaves and stuff like that massive ziggurats and pyramids and sorcerer kings who rule over these cities because they're the last bastions of civilization but the sorcerer Mm. kings are of course the biggest defilers in the land who draw massive amounts of life force and leave nothing but ash and salt and dust behind in order to fuel their huge spells to maintain their cities Mm. so you have Huge wars over tiny amounts of resources. People out in the desert fighting over small oases and stuff like that. A little bit Mad Max there. It, it's got it's got a kind of mixture of Mad Max, Conan the Barbarian, and there there's a little bit of of uh, gosh the 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 Twelve Plagues of Egypt kind of thing. You know, like you know, oh the, yeah, yeah, you know, like it's 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 very Ben Hur ish, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, you Bronze Age fantasy, which there was. I hadn't realized at the time because I was a kid back then, uh, but mm-hmm. there was a real ecological message behind all of that. And I yeah. think that overhauling the setting to, you know, remove some of the unfortunate racist elements and that kind of thing. Yeah. And retooling it for a, modern sensibilities and also just being a bit subversive, like re- really pushing that ecological theme. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to do that. Of course, you know. Wizards of the Coast owns the rights to Dark Sun, so that ain't happening. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I mean, you've you're a published game author who has a very good product. Like you could you could write for Wizards of the Coast. That's that's not uh, a question. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I would say no, but I don't think that they're hiring anytime soon for <laughs> for me at least. I mean, they they've they've got they've they've got a good stable of of writers already. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a pretty cutthroat field. Ah, dang. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, um, I know you're working on a sequel to Uncharted Worlds or like a version two. Can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, when I started Uncharted Worlds, I admit that I literally knew nothing about writing, design, publishing, 
or community building or anything like that. Like I, I would gone in just because I was a GM who was just getting off of Traveler. I got mm-hmm. into Mass Effect, Firefly, and Dungeon World all at the same time. <laughs> so <laughs> it just that that alchemy kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of all mixed together and created a, a perfect storm to be able to come out. And because I was writing about it online, it just kind of naturally became a thing. Since then, I've learned a ton of, you know, design. I've gotten a lot of really great feedback uh, from people who've played the game and who have both liked it and did like it. And I'm like, absolutely. When someone posts criticism of, oh yeah, a lot of these mechanics are free spinning, I'm like, you're right, they are. They absolutely are. That's a great point. You know, like I'm, I'm totally like, uh, we were joking about this, about um, it's weird that people played and liked the game because for me, like, no, come on. It could be so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so it's like. Criticize it, damn it. Criticize it. (laughs) Right. Like I, I I went to art school and so like. Every time anybody compliments your art, you're just like, but what about that error that I exactly, made? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like, no, it's not. It's not perfect. No. <laughs> but yeah, so I did a big postmortem about it because that's one thing having come from the video game industry, you get to see a lot of postmortems breakdowns because there is this idea that the next game will learn from the mistakes of the previous one. So mm-hmm. I broke down everything that worked, what didn't, and I'm like, how would I go about fixing this now? And I just started tooling around. The next thing I knew, it just kind of evolved into, oh, hey, I could totally do a version two of this. I could totally do what, you know, D&D did, which is really second edition. So, yeah, you know, keep the core. And of course, there's a balance, right? Like between innovating and alienating, mm-hmm. right? You want to do new stuff that is, you know, better than the old stuff but you don't want to take it too far that the people who liked the old stuff are going to be looking at it be like why are we rolling dice 20s now this is a two dice six system (laughs) (laughs) you know like okay yeah you can't go too far like dnd can never get rid of the six stats Mm -hmm. it cannot there's no way because (laughs) that's like core dnd so there's there's a bit of a balancing uh thing balancing uh job to be done but uh yeah i'm i'm working on it slowly i'm not setting myself any deadlines or or anything like that especially Mm -hmm. since these days things have gotten a little bit more difficult for me to write and and just i'm not gonna i'm not gonna break myself into just to get it out now that the first one is out i can take my time and really work on on the second one absolutely well okay um is there anything else you want to talk about yeah so for anyone who wants to create a game the mm-hmm. the biggest most challenging thing to get it published is building a community and building a community is really hard it's mm. harder for certain certain personalities if you are the kind of person who's very open and uh, effervescent and sociable and can talk to people without having panic attacks you are way ahead of <laughs> many designers who are let's face it introverts, self-deprecating, and uh, cynical. <clears throat> yeah, we're talking about TTRPG community here, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. That's <laughs> Like 90% of the TTR, TP, TTRPG community just said, I, I just heard myself and I don't like it, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, building a community was real tough, and I was actually really fortunate that uh, Google Plus was around at the time mm-hmm. because I was able to kind of 
talk to other communities and then it kind of intermixed and I formed my own and it was really great. There were quite a few people on that community. It was pretty active. And then when Google plus shut down, mm. everything just scattered and people went to their own plat to, to a bunch of different platforms. And I, and that's one of the big things that I have not been able to do yet. I've been working on this, but a big thing that helped me write uncharted worlds in the first place is the fact that the community was able to give feedback. And also I knew that there was a community that was looking forward to it. That was a big inspiration for me. I know um, the way that I got in contact with you was uh, through the place where you're posting your stuff now. Do you want? Do you want to give that out, or is that like too much? Sure. No. 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 Uh, well, so it's the uh, the Gauntlet forums. Uh, I assume the podcast will have some sort of linky things at the bottom. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it's the Gauntlet forums, and I kind of wandered over there because I was like, "Where the hell do I? Po- I want to post about this," and I wanted to find a community that was nice and open and not too cutthroat and not too, you know, like problematic and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the gauntlet forms were, you know, it just kind of stumbled in there because I'd recognized some of the names from people that I used to follow back on Google plus turns out it was created as a uh, response to Google plus closing. So oh. that, that was nice. Uh, yeah. A lot of the people from there were from various Google plus communities and that kind of thing. And, you know, I've tried joining other forums and groups and stuff like that, and it's hard. It's real hard to motivate myself to interact with a community, even even one where I can't see them face-to-face. I, so far, have not gone to Facebook or Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, you're not missing much. <laughs> well, no, uh, apparently I am, because apparently everybody is on Facebook, so... Well, you know I mean, I mean, okay, yes, you're missing everybody, but at the same time, you're not... <laughs> on Facebook, which is really great. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like the the you know the disadvantages are not on Facebook. The advantages are not on Facebook. So mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and like I was like, oh, maybe I should start a small community on something like Reddit because that actually has like the way that Reddit is structured is exactly the way that I would communicate in Google Plus. Of post a topic, people respond, and then I post a new topic when I have something else to talk about about a new facet of design because that's the way i think i design in in facets this mechanic that mechanic this career this other idea or whatever so i'm thinking i'm probably going to go to reddit at some point but i've not heard great things about reddit so right lord knows it's just it's really hard to uh to build a community in a place that you find comfortable and that will get eyes on it right because unfortunately when you're designing, you have to design for other people. You can't just be insular. You have to get feedback. You have to get uh, eyes on it. And also it helps to have play testers and that kind of thing. And when you're finally ready to publish, they will be your advocates. Mm-hmm. They will spread the word because otherwise it's a, it's an uphill battle. And then you end up just vanishing, right? Yeah. So yeah, building community is probably the most difficult and one of the most necessary things that you can do if you want to do indie design. Huh. So that's, there you go. That's, it. <laughs> that's a lot of stuff for everybody to think about. Yeah. So we've just explicitly said you don't have a Facebook or Twitter. Is there anything you want to promote? Huh. 
<laughs> uh, well, I mean, there, there is, there is uh, my Uncharted Worlds website, where which is just basically all the like links to uh, Drive Through RPG for the books and mm-hmm. links to character sheets and that kind of thing. Which I mean, I guess there's that. It's Uncharted-Worlds.com. I couldn't get all one word, sadly. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> someone's squatting on it. That's the worst part. It's not even being used. Oh, uh, <laughs> that is the worst. Uh, anyway. Yeah, at the moment I don't have much much to pitch because I'm it's still in early early development. But uh, if you come to the Gauntlet forums and uh, I have an ongoing thread that I update for fairly regularly with my newest designs and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'll I'll put that link in the in the description so people can go straight to it. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I regularly post links to my I have a shared Dropbox folder where I put all of my design stuff. I really embrace the uh, Creative Commons open license mm-hmm. take whatever you want please go <laughs> right ahead if you think that something is cool have fun knock yourselves out i know that somebody i don't know if he's still working on it or not but i was really interested in it somebody was working on an age of sale that used uncharted worlds mechanics like a pirates Ooh. game that you just uncharted nice. worlds so i was like oh that sounds really cool please tell me more they're like you're sure you're okay i'm like hell yes i'm okay that sounds great <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, great. The same way that uh, Rich Baker, who made Apocalypse World. Quick cut in. Sean wanted me to make sure that you knew that he actually meant Vincent Baker, not Rich Baker. Rich Baker wrote a bunch of stuff for Forgotten Realms and Dark Sun, which is why he confused the two. But we we're talking about Vincent Baker. Was like, feel free to use this, these mechanics. And I'm like, ditto. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually... Actually, that is one thing. Uh, I don't normally like, you know, do this kind of thing, but there is one story I'd like to tell. Sure. I was following the the Baker's Twitter, not directly. Somebody sent me a link, mm-hmm. and they had written about how the Baker kids were designing their first game, and I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Like the Baker mm-hmm. household is is a household of designers, right? Like they 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 probably play play role playing games the same way that most families have like dinner, monopoly right? night, or <laughs> yo goodness. So, <laughs> and as it turns out, the kids are actually designing a I think it's like a Robin Hood style game, like ro- ro- the the Disney Robin Hood. So mm-hmm. you you know you play uh, anthropomorphic bleh, anthropomorphic animals in fantasy forest Sherwood. Uh-huh. But their mechanics, I was looking at them like, oh, hey, they <laughs> they took mechanics directly out of Uncharted Worlds, like the two career combinations and that kind of thing. Ooh. They they took those and directly made it, and, and the, the Bakers even said, this was taken from Uncharted Worlds, which I'm like, that means that they've played this game at least a few times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh that's, that's like, you know, like, I idolize them. The whole family is like... <sighs> Those, that's some good design work there. So, <laughs> so I was very, I was very tickled to uh, to find out that was the, that was like a little squee moment of just. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, cool. That's it. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. This this was a really fun conversation. I hope you had fun too. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me, and it was flattering. Really, really is. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's worthy praise. Uncharted Worlds is great. And I can't wait to see version two. I can't wait to see anything else you do. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, when when version two is further along, I'm I might uh, prod you to maybe do a um, playtest or something with your with your gang if you're up to it. Totally up to it. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, hope you have a great day. You too. <laughs> you too. Thank you.
Thanks again to Sean Gomes. You can follow his process writing version 2 of Uncharted Worlds on the Gauntlet forums. That's at forums.gauntlet-rpg.com. And then search for the post called Designing Uncharted Worlds 2nd Edition. Or just follow the link in the description. Your homework this week is to think of something to encourage social actions between players in your game. Tweet me ideas at Logan Jenkins. If you want to hear more from me, check out Very Random Encounters, a podcast where some friends and I play tabletop RPGs and randomize as much as possible. Game Mechanics is part of the Orange Groves. Check out theorangegroves.com to support this and other great shows on the network. And until your next checkup, that'll be 2750. Bye.